1993, FBI agents entered the Southwood Psychiatric Hospital in San Diego, California. They began an investigation into insurance fraud. They worked up an appetite after hours of poring over documents and looking at computers and, and all that that investigation entailed. Finally, somebody said, I'm hungry. The chief FBI agent said, great, I'll order pizza. He picked up the phone, and he began to call the nearest pizzeria to order pizza. Here's a copy of the conversation that took place. Agent, hello, I would like to order 19 large pizzas and 67 cans of soda. Pizza man, and where would you like those delivered? Agent, well, we're over at the psychiatric hospital. Oh, it gets better. Pizza man, the psychiatric hospital, huh? That's right, the agent said. I'm an FBI agent. <laughs> oh, you're an FBI agent, the pizza man. Agent, that's correct. Just about everybody here is an FBI agent. Pizza man, and you're at the psychiatric hospital. Agent, that's correct. And make sure you don't go to the front door because we've got it locked. Go around to the back to the service entrance and deliver the pizzas. Pizza man. And you're all FBI agents? Agent, that's right. How soon can you have them here? And everyone is in a psychiatric hospital? Agent, that's right. And we've been here all day and we're starving. Pizza man. And how are you going to pay for all this? FBI agent, I have my checkbook right here. Pizza man, and you're all FBI agents. <laughs> agent, that's right, everyone here is an FBI agent. Can you remember to bring the pizzas to the, and the sodas to the service entrance at the rear? We have the front doors locked. Pizza man, I don't think so. Click. You know, there are some things that are just too hard to believe, aren't they? I mean, we hear some things sometimes, and we just, we just kind of shake our head and say, I don't think so, and we sort of check out. But you know, there are things that we do believe. I mean, there are things that we believe without even thinking about them. You leave home, and uh, probably most people in here don't even carry cash anymore. You have one of these little plastic things in your pocket, one of these little Visa cards or ATM card of some kind, uh, you, don't, you don't need cash because you have the card. MasterCard takes you everywhere, right? And so you, you, you know, you have faith. You believe you just swipe and it's going to take the money out of your bank account. You need cash, you just go to an ATM. And then what do you do with this card? You go to a gas station. And you just pull up there and you swipe that thing and you take that gas nozzle out and you stick it in. You don't check. You don't carry a little cup and put a little bit in. And, Am I sure this is gas? No, you have faith that what's going to come out of that gas pump is going to work in your car and it's going to make your car go. And you know, then you, you, uh, you drove across a bridge to get here, right? Nobody stops at the edge of the bridge and walks out and says, I wonder if this is going to hold my car today. No, we have faith in it. We just trust that it's going to work. We trust the card. We trust the gas. We trust the bridge that we drive across 
to go use the car to get the gas because we have faith. And for good reason, right? We've seen it happen. We've used it a hundred times. We've seen other people use it. We know cars in front of us have put that gas in their car and it worked in their car. We've seen cars drive across. We trust and know that it's going to work. And so we have faith. There are things we have faith in we can't even see. Okay? We, uh, we got up this morning, take a big fresh of breath, Fresh of breath air, breath of fresh air. I mean, don't, don't we do that while we're sleeping without even thinking about it. We trust. It's the right amount of oxygen in there. It's going to give us what we need so we can live. How about, you know, one of, the, one of the things we take for granted, I think, that we don't realize that you can't see, you can't prove, is love. How, how, you know, you give love, but how do you know somebody loves you back? You only know that by the experience you can't do an experiment to prove that somebody loves you, but you know because of what you've observed, what you've seen. What about God? Can't see God. Why should we have faith in God? Why should we believe that God created the universe? I mean, isn't that what we believe? Why should we believe that? Well, today we're going to start a series called Why I Believe. And in this series, we're going to talk about a lot of things that we should believe and why it's good to believe those things. So, as we go through this series, you know, we're going to hopefully strengthen our belief, our faith, in what we believe. George Whitfield was a famous evangelist back in the 18th century. He traveled throughout England, even throughout the United States. On the frontier preaching the gospel. Once he came across a man and he said, Sir, what is it that you believe? And the man said, Well, I believe the same as my church. He said, Well, what does your church believe? The man said, Well, they believe the same as me. Seeing that he was getting nowhere, he said, Well, what do both of you believe? The man said, Well, we just both believe the same thing. It became obvious the man didn't know what he believed. And maybe you don't know what you believe, but I hope as we go through this series, your faith will be strengthened and you'll really come to see why it's good that we believe in the things that we should believe in. So we're going to go through this series and we're going to talk about several things. Today we're going to talk about uh, why I believe God is creator. Next week we're going to talk about why I believe the Bible is God's Word. And then we're going to talk about why I believe Jesus is the Son of God, why I believe the Holy Spirit is real, why I believe the church is essential, why I believe Jesus had to be uh, die, and why I believe Jesus had to be resurrected. So as we begin today, I want you to think about this question. Are there factors that point to a God who created the universe? Notice I said a God who created now, that presupposes that you believe there is a God, and I, I hope you do. I hope that's part of why you're here. Maybe you're seeking to find some evidence that God exists. If that's the case, then you're in the right place today. But all of these uh, messages that we're going to talk about assume that there is a God who created the universe. He's the God of the Bible. His name, he said, is Yahweh. That's a Hebrew word. It means I am. I be, I exist. And he sometimes, some people call him Jehovah, 
that's the Latin version of Yahweh. And some people, you know, sometimes in the Bible, he's called Elohim. That's a Hebrew word that means God. You know, in our English translations, it usually is God with a capital G or Lord with a capital L or Father with a capital F. But this is the God that we're going to talk about. You know, so many people claim there are all kinds of gods, but we believe in this one God, the God of the Bible. Now, where do we start to answer this question? Are there factors that point to a God who created the universe? Well, best place to start is the beginning. And so we're going to go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It's on, in fact, if you have a pull out a pew Bible, it's on page 1 in your pew Bible. And maybe you have it on your phone or you brought your own Bible. Uh, but today I want to show you several factors that help us believe and have faith that God is creator. And we're going to start here at the beginning. So let's read this first verse in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know something interesting about that verse? If you accept that first verse of the Bible, then everything that follows in this book is believable. If you believe that God created the heavens and the earth, He brought all this into being, then everything else the Bible said is easily believed. That's why we're starting right here. And we're going to think about why we can believe God is Creator. Here's the first thing, the first factor I want you to think about. It's the fact that the universe exists. I want to show you something. Uh, I don't know if you can see this all the way in the back. What I have in my hand here is simple. It is a craft stick. I got this from the children's department. There's a whole box of these things. Did you know that up in the children's? There's like 500 in a box stacked in there real neat. And I got one out, and I thought, how simple that is. But at the same time, it's got a definite shape. You know, it's got straight edges. They're very straight. It's got a rounded tip on both ends. It's smooth. It's made out of this nice wood. It's pretty sturdy. You could use this to press somebody's tongue down at a doctor's office. You could use this to create a house out of sticks or or something, you know, you could make all kinds of things out of this. I've seen little Santa Clauses made where you grew cotton on it and, and a beard and paint red suit on it. And you could do all kinds of things with this. It's simple. But, you know, do you think that this little simple craft stick just happened by chance? Maybe just some wood fell off of a tree, you know, a limb fell off, and people walked over it, and the rain hit on it, and and cars drove over it, and after all that rubbing on it and knocking the bark off the tree and flattening it out, and then it took on this, this pretty perfect shape. That it, Do you think that just happened by accident? No. Nobody in here thinks that this happened by accident. Even do you think that a whole box of them got stacked together and put in our children's department by accident? There's no way you would believe that. So how in the world would you believe that this complex universe, even the human body, was put here just by chance? That it just came into be without having a creator? 
if you would never doubt that this had a creator, how could you ever doubt that the complex human body didn't have a creator? The fact that we exist points to a creator because we are so complicated. And this world, this universe is so complicated. Listen to what Romans chapter 1 verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, His divine nature have been seen clearly, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. All you got to do is look at creation. You look around and you say, this thing had to have a creator. It's too complicated. It had to. Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. You know, you look up into outer space and you talk about complicated, how all those planets move and, and they figured out, you know, they move in a certain order. You know, this earth that we live on just travels around that sun every 365 and one-fourth days consistently, year after year. It never misses a beat. We set our watch by it. That's almost unbelievable that that would happen that way. Now, I know there's a lot of theories out there about how the earth came into be, how, how it came to be created, you know. Scientists want to make up all kinds of stuff, most popular being the Big Bang Theory that says, you know, all this stuff, I, I read one thing that said it was all in a microscopic ball, and there was an explosion and then all of a sudden, we had the universe. We had all this stuff. You hear that explosion? We had all that stuff. The stars and the moons and the earth and, and all the other planets. You know, most scientific theories are just that. They are a theory. You know what a theory is, right? It's a guess. Now, it's an educated guess. We, you know, we have some science and, and we put science together and we think through it and we say, well, here's my theory. The evidence seems to point to this. And some scientists, because they're trying to figure out how can we say that this came about without believing in a God, because we don't want to believe in a God, we want to believe it came about, so they come up with some kind of a theory. But here it is. This complicated universe that we take up this little part of is here. And as far as we know, we're the only place in that whole universe where there are people. And here we are. The fact that we exist is some evidence that points to a creator. The complexity, the design, really point to a powerful, almighty creator who was able to put this all together. I tell you what, to believe it just happened by chance, well, it takes more faith to believe that than it does to believe in a God who created it. Now, I know, sitting right here in this chair and standing before God, can't prove that God exists. Can't prove it in a test tube. You have no videotape of Him creating the world. But neither can you prove the Big Bang Theory. Nobody was there. Nobody can testify to it. You can't even, well, you can't prove love either. But we believe that exists, don't we? 
And we know that this earth exists. And how do you account for all the complexities? Number two, the precision in which it operates. Now I want you to think about this for just a minute because there's some amazing things that take place around us that we don't realize if you, if you don't study science a little bit. Number one, the earth. It is just the right distance from the sun so that we don't burn up or we don't freeze to death. You know, I know some people think that there was at least once upon a time there was life on Mars. Nobody knows for sure that there's, there, there has, they haven't proven that yet. Some think there was water on there, but Mars is so far away that that water is frozen, which if we weren't the right distance, we would be frozen if we were too far, or if we were too close, we would burn up. But we're just the right distance. And we continue to maintain that distance from the sun as we travel around it day by day. What about the moon? It's beautiful when it hangs up in the sky, isn't it? But you know it does some work. It helps with our gravity. It helps with the tidal waters. It's amazing how predictable the tidal waters are. You go to tidal cities that are located on the beach, they print in the newspaper what time. And they don't say about 6.30. It will say 6.31, high tide. You know, six hours later, you know, 12... 32, low tide. They can predict it because it's so precise. And you think about the fact that the earth tilts at 23.5 degrees. Scientists say if it were any different than that, our seasons would be all messed up. It would mess up our earth. And what about gravity? If gravity were too strong, well, I wouldn't be standing up here preaching. I'd just be sucked down to the earth. And I'd be laying flat and have to crawl, I guess, everywhere I went. Can you imagine me preaching, Michael, laying on the ground sideways? But if gravity weren't strong enough, we could stand here. We'd fly off as the earth turned around the sun. It works perfect. Just perfect. So that we can stand and move around. What about oxygen? You've got to have it to live it's in this air that we have faith in. But you know the percentage of oxygen in that air has to say between 19.5 and 23.5%. Otherwise, we don't breathe the way we're supposed to. We die. But it always does. It always has. And until Jesus comes back, it's going to continue to be consistent. Water. Not only is oxygen essential, water is essential. Our bodies are 60 to 75% made of water. And you know what? We need water. we got to have it. You know, if it's just 15% low, then you become dehydrated and you can die from that. So you got to have this water. You can go 30 days without food, I'm told, but only about three days without water. And water does many important things. You know, it's a solvent. Things mix with it. And so it carries vitamins and phosphates and calcium into these little tiny cells in your body. Without water, you wouldn't get those things. You couldn't live. And it helps regulate the temperature of the earth. So you look at all these things, and there are many more that we could look at, but those things, do you think they happen by chance? And they happen in this perfect way 
that they need to happen just so we can live? Harvard-educated astrophysicist John A. O'Keefe from NASA said this, If the universe had not been made with the most exacting precision, we could never have come into existence. In my view, these circumstances indicate the universe was created for man to live in. He believes in a creator. That's a Harvard-educated guy. He's no dummy. All right, number three, a belief in a moral standards. This might be the argument for arguing. Okay, but we all believe things. We all have these moral standards that we believe in. Some of them may be a little different, but we would argue for those moral standards that we have. C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, wrote, that nobody says, do what I want because I'm stronger and I can make you do it. No, here's what we do. We say, do it because it's the fair thing to do. It's the moral thing to do. It's the right thing to do. You see, we're wired to believe in these moral standards. You know, in all cultures in the world, there are some certain standards that everybody holds to. Ever, you know, pretty much everybody believes these things. Like, we shouldn't steal other people's stuff. We shouldn't mess with another person's spouse. We shouldn't murder someone. We shouldn't lie to people. We all believe that, you know, big, strong people shouldn't bully little, weaker people. We all believe that women and children should not be exploited. We all cultures believe it's wrong to be racist you know it's wired into us to believe these things now there are some that violate these standards that's because God created us with what's called a free will we can all choose how we want to live we can choose not to believe in God isn't that amazing that this God that created us gave us a freedom of choice and he set us on this earth so sometimes we choose to go against the moral standard. Again, in Romans chapter 1, verse 18 talks about the godlessness and the wickedness of people. And he says, who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. Again, it goes back to the fact that all you got to do is look at creation and you realize there had to be a creator. This God that we're talking about. You know, and often we people, because we have free will, we try to justify our own desires because we have this, this greedy side, this selfish side, this part of us that wants pleasure over doing what is right. And so we sometimes violate the morals that we know exist. And usually when we do, we know that we are. Just Some of us just don't care. And we try to justify it in our own mind. But you know, the thing about it, mind is the key word. Because we're the only creatures on earth, and as far as we know, the only creatures in the universe that have a mind to think. 
In fact, that's part of why the Bible says in Genesis 1.27, we were created in the image of God. Because like God, we have the ability to think and to reason and to choose. And because He gave us free will, which if He didn't give us free will, we'd just be puppets. You know, just doing what God made us to do. But because we have free will, we can choose to live and do the things that we want to do. But we're all wired up to know, deep down, that there is right and wrong. There's a fourth thing, and it is the desire of humans to be valued. Because we can think, we hunger to have value, to have meaning and worth. You know, nobody wants to be treated like an animal or just some plant that grows on the side of the road. We want to be treated with respect, don't we? We want people to value us. And we believe that we have certain rights because we are these human beings that can think and, and reason. And because of free will, some people disagree with what those rights should be, but we all believe that we should have rights. In fact, our country was founded on this principle. Think about the Constitution. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, and among them the pursuit of life, uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we take that seriously, don't we? We want our rights because we think we should be valued. So we hunger for those rights. You know what? There's, there's a reason why we all think we should be valued because we have a God who created us who valued us. That's why he created us, because he loved us. Because the Bible says that he created us for himself. He, we were created by him and for him. And because we are created for him, he valued us, and he loved us, and he wants us to love him back. But you know what happens? Sometimes we forget about that, and we rebel against the God who created us, and we go our own way and do our own thing and set aside what we know to be morally right or wrong. And the Bible calls that sin. But God said, I love you so much. I don't want to be separated with you. And I can't be, have a relationship with people that rebel against me. So I'm going to send my son. He's going to die on a cross. And if you believe in him, I'll forgive you of your sin. His blood will pay the price for your sin. And then we can have our relationship restored. You will be forgiven. So there's some factors that we can think about. I read a story this week, and you may say, where's he going with this? But bear with me for just a minute. Here's the title of this. Having faith enough to skydive without a parachute. Would anybody do that? Would anybody jump out of an airplane, no parachute, none of those wing suits that they have now that they fly in? This guy just jumped. Just a, a regular jumping suit on. He didn't just jump. He jumped 25,000 feet in the air out of an airplane 
and he had a target down on the ground, a hundred by hundred net that he was going to land in. In fact, when he hit that net, he was going to be going 120 miles an hour. And he did it. No parachute. And some people said, you got a wife and a four-year-old kid. You are a crazy man. And he said, you know what? I know that people think I'm crazy because I do that, but I'm not crazy. And I did it because I wanted to prove something that if you work at something, and if you think about it, and if you study it, that you can do a lot more than you think you can do. You can do stuff that will cause people to say you are crazy, but you can live through it. This guy was 42 years old. His name is Luke Akins, And he did jump out of an airplane. In fact, you know, he jumped out of an airplane 18,000 times. Only once with no parachute. But he did, and he landed in that 100 by 100 square uh, foot net, and he lived to tell about it. But he had practiced it. Over and over he had practiced it, dozens of times. And in his practice, he wore a parachute, and he always pulled the ripcord just 1,000 feet before he hit. And he even practiced doing it in smaller than a 100 by 100 square foot net. So that on the day that he did it, he was going to make sure he had plenty of room in case he was off just a little bit. But he did it. And here's his point. Whenever people attempt to push the limits of what is considered humanly possible, they invariably are described as crazy. I'm here to show you that if you approach it the right way and we test it, and we prove that it is good to go, then we can do things that we thought were impossible. Here's the point. If we study things, and we look into them, and we really pursue, we can come to believe some things that we might think are impossible. Like that there is a God who created the universe. Augustine, the famous theologian of the 4th century, said, Understanding is the reward of faith. Therefore, seek not to understand that thou might believe, but believe that you may understand. And you know, the truth is, the Bible teaches us that if we place our faith and believe in Jesus Christ, we receive the Spirit of God to live inside of us, and that Spirit enables us to discern and to believe in all that this Bible says to be true. Here's our connection point. God, careful examination of these factors gives us ample reason for faith in God who created the universe. You know, if you, if you just look around this universe, look at all the beauty, look at the flowers, you know, what's more beautiful than a fresh-cut lawn that's been weed-eated and beautiful flowers out in front of it? Or walking through the woods and you come across some wildflowers or beautiful ferns or you get up on a mountain and you see these views for miles and you just think, look at how beautiful this is. And as you stand up there gazing at that, remember this, remember this craft stick. 
Because nobody in here believes that this just came about by accident. How could you believe in all of its complexity this universe came about by accident? We believe, I believe, this church believes that there is a God. That there is a God who is a creator of this. Because it exists, we know there had to be a creator. Because of the precision with which it operates, we know that something had to be behind that. Because of all the moral standards that everybody believes that there is some right and wrong, and because of our desire to be valued, we know that there is this creator that brought all that about. It takes faith. Just like it takes faith to believe that that little plastic card you carry in your wallet is going to work when you use it. That the gas that you pump is going to make your car go. That the, the bridge that you drive across is going to hold you up. There's a famous uh, astronomer. His name was Alan Sandage. He's one of the foremost astronomers in the world uh, he played a key role in increasing our understanding of the universe and determining the Hubble constant, which describes the universe's expansion. And he was awarded the Crawford Prize, the equivalent of the Nobel Peace Prize for astronomy. He died at age 84 in 2010, and for a long time he lived the life of an atheist. But as he began to study, he thought in the beginning that all these uh, you know, uh, uh, equations that he had and all these laws of physics, he could explain everything. But he soon came to realize that science couldn't explain everything. And he was at a conference one time, and the speaker talked about the, ink, the complications of the human body and how... I can't even think of the word. What is it? Intricate. There you go. <laughs> How intricate it was. And as he began to think about that, he thought, you know, science can't explain all this. And it cracked a door for him. At age 50, he began to pursue God and think about God. Is this God real? And he realized one day, you know, faith means you have to go all the way and accept Christianity as being true or you have to accept it as being false. And he boldly accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. As he continued to explore the universe and write scientific papers, he began to realize my science is not at odds with a God who is a creator. In fact, it... It, they, the two worked together. And they showed him that it was possible to do science and faith in Christ. He, he argued, it was my science that drove me to the conclusion that the world is much more complicated than can be explained by my science. He became a Christian. There's ample reason to believe that there is a God who is a creator. I think so much more than to believe that it just happened by accident. 
So we go back to the very first verse of the Bible. And if you believe that verse, you won't have any problem believing the rest of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you today for this, this word. We thank you for this creation, Lord. You made it just perfect so we could live in it, we could understand it, we, we could, you know, enjoy it. And Lord, help us to, to come to know first and foremost, it is your creation. And you've put us here for you. Lord, help us to be a people that look to you as the creator. And we want to love you and serve you because we know that you love us. And you proved that to us by sending your own son. And so, Father, as we go forward, as we begin this series, help us to begin with this first step of believing that you are the creator. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.